Welcome to another episode, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Topps Panini and Upper Deck, Mike Stadium Sports Card, Burbank Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huntington Scott Auctions, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, and ComC.com. Had a great virtual dinner. The modern group of the, the five that were here, we were able to take a few minutes per and still stay within 15 minutes. The question was actually not mine. It was Ken's. How, when, and where might you sell a big card that you wanted to sell if you're not uh, a frequent seller and you have that card in particular, in his case, that just happens to have grown quite a bit in value and he may want to cash it in and get some other stuff. It was a robust discussion. Enjoyed it. We heard from each of the five guys. Without further ado, here is part of the convo for that question. Basically, he has a, a bigger card that he wants to sell. He's thinking, how should I sell it? Where should I sell it? Perhaps when should I sell it? So just the strategies of that, there's lots of choices. Buy it now seems to be more competitive sometimes now than auction. It, for some of these cards, when you put an outrageous price and it gets grabbed. So Ken, describe your situation, start off, tee it up and give some of your thoughts and then we'll move around to George, Jeremy and Jason and Mike for what they would do if they were you. Yeah, Back in 2014, when I was starting to get really heavily into the hobby, I, I decided as an investment to buy a 93 SP Derek Jeter. He had just gotten his 3,000th hit. I knew he was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I lived a lot of my life in New York and I watched Jeter from the beginning. I know what type of person he is and everything. So I bought it as an investment. I brought it up to Toronto 19 and it got the raw grade of nine, which I was pleasantly surprised with. And I figured, well, let's put it as an investment. Now, I did not spend a whole lot for it. $240, I think is what I bought it for in 2014. I've been watching the card go and specifically since the pandemic. And I'm afraid of a correction and I hate to use that word, but I'm considering now it's time to, to sell it. There's a lot that I could do with that money right now and reinvest it back into the sports card market. Now it's one card, but at the same point, you got the, the different selling things like eBay. You have to deal with the fees and everything that goes on with eBay. So how would you all take looking at this? Somebody has never sold, done anything with a card of this value and the way that it's been going. A lot of my friends say, hold on to it. It's going to continue to grow. Others are like, get rid of it now. You bought it as an investment. You're going to score, score big on it. Go now. I'm just wondering what your opinions are. Fair enough. Let's hear from Jordan. I think Jordan's going to make you an offer right now, actually. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Jeremy's going to outbid me. No, so I will say on a little bit even bigger scale, I actually had a, a friend of mine from Instagram hit me up and he was ripping a mega box of Hoops Premium and he pulled the Black Ice one of one Zion. He said, what should I do with this? And he, he hit me up. He said, I know you have some connections in the hobby. So I instantly thought of two different places. One was PWCC, another was Golden Auctions. And then of course you have Heritage. You have all these places you could go to maximize your dollars on a big card like that. Whereas Ken, the card you're talking about is a little bit lower tier, but it's ultimately still a, a high you know, dollar card that you don't want to get screwed on. So I would say I buy and sell a lot on Facebook and Instagram and there, you need vouchers, you need Instagram. There's a good community of higher end collectors. Jeremy is, and there's a lot of credibility built into how long you've been doing business there or how long you've had a profile. You get vouchers from a guys and things like that. That's more B2B kind of people, individuals. You could go the auction route, no matter what, if you don't do a personal private deal, you're going to pay fees. eBay is the easiest one. At the end of the day, you're going to pay you know, 10% fees. And then you're also going to deal with potential scammers, things like that. Higher dollar cards like that, I would always do uh, an auction house that can get the card in and then they will take a fee. But ultimately, you're, you're going to get more eyeballs from... Obviously, Golden has had some of these auctions that have gone 
you know, parabolic really with LeBron and Giannis and things like that. But you just saw that Lucas sell for $4.6 million and it was a private deal. Jeremy knows this too. We have a good network of guys on Instagram that we do deals with on a regular basis. I personally would try to sell it on Instagram or Facebook, but there's times even to certain cards where it's like, hey, if you want the card bad enough, you can actually come fly to me and bring cash and or drive or, or have a friend go drive, whatever that may be. I meet at a bank and then do the deal. Well, those kind of deals are, are always recommended on my end. If I had a card of that caliber, I would probably only do a deal in person for cash. Thank you, Jordan. Jeremy, what would you do if you were Ken? I'd ask myself two questions. The first question is, how confident are you in timing the market? Is now, like you said, people are saying you invested in it, you can get a return on that investment now. Sure. I get the question all the time on cards that I bought 10 years ago that I could sell now for well more than I paid. My wife, I tell her, look what this card's worth. Are you going to sell it? I'm like, no, I didn't buy it to sell it at this point in time. So I'd ask myself, how confident are you in timing the market? Is now the best time? Is it going to get better or worse in the future? My answer to that, if I'm asking myself, is no good. I cannot time the market. So I don't try to time the market, maybe which is why I'm more comfortable being a long-term um, holder. Uh, the other question is, you mentioned that you would take the money and reinvest it. So are there cards that you want more than the 93 SP Jeter? It sounds to me like you like this card and you've now got some emotional connection to it because you bought it so well. And if you sell it, if you dispose of that card, is there going to be a hole in your collection and a hole in your heart that's going to say, I need another one, which is fine because you can maybe sell your BGS nine and go purchase a BGS eight or a PSA seven or whatever it may be to fill that hole and still have the card. still have a copy of what's, what is a wonderful card of an all-time player. So those are the two questions I'd ask. Do you really want to sell the card? I bought a Bobby Orr rookie in 2008. If I were to sell it now, I'd make good money on it. I can't sell it. It's, it's literally the cornerstone of my whole collection. It's a high grade copy. So that's how I'm thinking about this is, do you want to sell it? What are you going to buy? Like, I would just have to go buy another Bobby or rookie. Are you going to just go buy another 93 Jordan uh, Jeter SP? As for if you decide you do want to sell it, where to sell it, Jordan brings up some good options. I would use one of the bigger eBay consignment sellers because they have a lot of eyeballs on their auctions. They get good money for their cards that they list and they turn it around pretty quick. If you're using PWCC or Probstein, you're going to get your proceeds within a month, most likely maybe two with PWCC, depends on the timing. If I wasn't going to list it myself on eBay at a buy it now that made me happy, I would give it to one of those guys to sell at auction and just let the market tell me what it's worth on that day. Take my money and uh, decide what I'm going to do from there. If it's my only copy, though, I wouldn't sell it. Okay. Jason, based on your professional opinion, locationally as well as hobby-wise, what do you think? Yeah, I do this every day with other assets. Look, you, you basically can never time the market. If you get it right, it, it doesn't mean it's, it's, it's repeatable. I'm of the opinion that there's certain players that are going to be unbelievably resilient to any timing or cards that are going to be unbelievably resilient to any timing. Like, for example, the Mantles or some of these Jordans. Yeah, the, the Jordans had vol, but if the market corrects, a low-pop Jordan rookie or, or Mantle or whatever is not going to correct like all this high-pop Luca Zion, whatever stuff that's out there. The question you have to ask yourself, is that Jeter card in the resilient bucket? And people might draw their lines of the players or the cards that they think are in that bucket differently. We could probably have a good debate about that for, for multiple hours of what belongs in there. If Jeter is important to you because you grew up in New York and you want to rotate out of it into a cheaper Jeter or a different one, that's a different trade. But you're saying, I want to turn the money back into stuff. Maybe you have a list of what that is. So you might even want to consider a trade. You might get more value 
at a collateral in a trade than you might in a cash transaction. The last thing is the one thing that's unbelievably amazing to me is how small this community gets really fast. I'm trying to listen to my kids and they watch these YouTubes of the Dallas card show from a couple of weeks ago. There's all these people on Instagram or whatever making videos of all these trades and things. My guess is if you just showed up there with that thing, you might have 10 or 15 different trades, offers, cash plus cards to deal with. My first kind of recommendation would be to go into the community and kick tires around the community of people who might be interested in that and and what can come out of it because you might source some of the things that you might be looking for to replace it. Obviously, if it's just about getting the cash, then you have the tools that everyone described, the the probes, things, the PWCCs, the consigners, et cetera. But I find that even when I go to these little card shows in the middle of COVID in in, in New Jersey with my 11-year-old, People are swinging deals and and the community gets really small, really fast. There's people are doing trade nights. And I think with a, with a little bit of Instagramming in 10 minutes, you'd be able to find 15 people that can help you. There's some people that have online presence or Instagram presence. I know that there's someone around here who does it, who might even consign for you a lot cheaper than some of those others. And they have hundreds of thousands of followers and whatever. And so that might be another tool. Again, what are you looking to get out of it? Maybe you want to turn it into a Mahomes rookie car that navigating the community to trade it might be the thrill that that gets you there. Those are some things that I've, I, I think are quite interesting about it. Okay. Mike Summer, what's your sage advice for Ken? Yeah, I'm going to echo what some of the others have said about the initial part of that decision. The question, is it a cornerstone piece for your collection? Do you have emotional connection or emotional ties to it and that you're going to miss that card if you get rid of it? So think about those types of things to make that initial decision on if you even want to get rid of it or not. As far as if you do decide to try to convert that into some cash, take that profit, I'm going to plead the fifth. I believe firmly in only speaking about and giving my opinion on things that I've got experience in and that I've got firm knowledge about. And that level of card, I don't know, right or wrong, that's not the level of card that I'm typically buying and selling or have a lot of personal experience with. So I don't want to give you an opinion on what you should do or how you should sell it when I don't have a lot of basis or background to give you that opinion. So I'm going to withhold giving my opinion on how the best way to sell it would be. Okay, Mike, in your million card inventory you picked up, you could have been uh, snooping through the monster boxes and out could have popped one of those. (laughs) So then you'd have the dilemma. There are two things that weren't mentioned. One is that uh, the bigger the card, the more there can be tax implications when you sell it. I think you can bypass that if you trade. And I think sometimes when somebody has a big card, you can be overwhelmed with trade offers of medium-sized cards that they will throw at you that they know they can replace in return for the bigger card. So that's one point. The second point is this would be a completely different discussion if this was a PSA 10 or a or BGS 10, or maybe even a BGS 9, than a Rock Hard Review 9. A completely different, ex- Jason's idea, people flying to knock on your door, you know, that if you're a PSA 10, the auction houses now are very interested for that card. So you can't just say the card, it's got to be the condition. So- yeah, Ken, look, you, you could send it into PSA. 
right? But the question is, you want to put more money into the card that might g- give you a different level of comfort and open up options as well. Jeremy does this a lot. He finds a lot of cards on Instagram. So I know I can't reiterate enough. There's a few guys I know that post on their Instagram story and that card, three, four, five, eight, 20 grand. And I don't know if you sell Minnesota Miracle, Jeremy, but he's selling 35, 40, $50,000 cards on Instagram stories and they're gone. It's unbelievable the power of that network. The odds, let's say, for Ken sending in his rock hard review, Beckett nine to PSA and coming out with a 10, I would give about a hundred to one odds that it will come back a nine or probably more likely an 8.5 or an eight. If, if you crack it out, then you're running that risk. Plus you've got some big fees. And if it does come out of 10, your PSA fee just shot through the roof as well. You still would be happy. If it comes back at 10, it's a million dollar card. Yeah. And Ken Golden is offering. Ken I think, Golden will be on the plane. He's already put a bounty on on a PSA ten Jeter ninety three. I, I just want to also mention to Ken the fact that it's a BGS nine raw card review. To me, that doesn't make it worth way less than a BGS nine slab card. I've seen raw card review cards sell very comparable to what they would sell for in a hard slab. Yeah, legitimately, I have done it before where I've gotten cards were graded in Toronto and sent them to Beckett and then had them encased. Every time I've done it, they've come back the same grade. So I'm pretty confident based on my experience that would happen. It's just, do I want to let the card go for upwards to six months at this point? How far they're backlogged and everything? Or do I want to just sell it as it is? Someone who's more than happy to wait for something like that. That's a beautiful card. As far as selling it, timing the market is, if you need the money is different than if you don't. If you're patient, Derek Jeter's an all-time great. That card, I don't see going down anytime soon. If the market does correct, that's a card that will be in that echelon of Jordans and, and Griffies and things that are high grade that will always have a market and, and maybe even a bigger market at that point because guys will stop spending money on uh, smaller cards. Thank you all. That was what I was looking for. Emotional attachment. I think he's the last baseball rookie card I've gotten. I've totally went over to hockey, but would there be a hole in the collection? No, because I would probably want to go back out and then get an OPG Gretzky rookie card, which I don't have. Not graded, obviously, but or at least something good to replace it with. Can I make a final comment, Jim? Apparently. Based on what, what Ken just said about waiting six months, you realize if you said that a year ago, how lucky you would have been to let it go for six months, not have the ability to sell it because as these cars are sitting there, they're going up and up in value and it's actually saving people money who would have sold them sooner otherwise. It's so funny. I told my son the single best saving mechanism is sending our cards to PSA. Yeah. <laughs> it's the new vault. It, it is. Well, when I was picking up my order at BGS, they showed me their vault. And it's pretty mind-boggling. They've got almost as much as PSA does, I think. The man in the house.